Today's episode is sponsored by Adam and Eve. You know, I read so many stories about cheating partners and unhappy marriages. Maybe people wouldn't be in such unhappy relationships if they spent more time nurturing their love life. That's why you should check out today's sponsor, Adam and Eve. They've got toys for men, toys for women, and toys for... How should I put this? Well, it's not exactly r slash am I the butthole. More like r slash I'm in the butthole. And yeah, I realize that ordering adult toys can be a little scary because you may be concerned about privacy. Don't worry, Adam and Eve offers discreet and free shipping for your package. Trust me, these people are experts in your package. You can get 50% off on just about any item, along with free shipping and rush processing. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy or anything you desire. Then enter code R slash at checkout. That's R slash R S L A S H at adamandeve.com. This is an exclusive offer specific to this podcast, so be sure to use code R slash to get your discount, plus 100% free shipping, and get it fast with rush processing. Use code R slash. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6 1 since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to r slash pro revenge, where OP gets his boss arrested by the FBI. Our next Reddit post is from Falconer XV. Almost two decades ago, I worked in the magazine publishing industry as an advertising and marketing manager. What this meant is that I sold advertising spaces in our line of various publications. You know those fancy clothing ads or product ads between articles? Yeah, those. And when you're good at it, you can make embarrassingly large stacks of cash. I was about 20 years old, making a very healthy $150,000 a year, so I thought that I nailed a dream job. My director, on the surface, seemed like the most awesome boss. He was charismatic and he knew how to lead. He was a retired Marine and he was incredibly good at motivating his subordinates. He was friends with the actual Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort, and he had come to our company to teach us how to close sales. And yes, I do know how to sell you this pen. My director, Daniel, was in actuality one of the shadiest people I've ever met, and his overconfidence in his skills led to not only his downfall, but also led to a huge scandal in the company, resulting in multiple investigations, including his arrest and the CEO's arrest on different charges. I won't get into the backstory of how I started there or how I rose up in the ranks under Daniel. All you need to know is that Daniel took me under his wing to train me as his protege. Daniel was known in the company for creating advertising initiatives that would be insanely profitable. He would then move one of his subordinates into a managerial role on that project so that he could move on to the next initiative. What most people didn't realize was that Daniel's initiatives were only sustainable for maybe two to three years before they would start losing money. But since Daniel was such a prominent figure in the company, the manager who took over the project would take the blame for it, citing lack of proper management skills. So Daniel was largely unnoticeable and never took the blame. Daniel put me in charge of one of those initiatives. But instead of losing money, I was able to sustain it for more than seven years. 
This gave me a staff of 200 additional sales reps to oversee. I was also the supervisor, the graphic designer, IT, HR, and I had my own accounts to manage as well, so I was working from 6am to 11pm 6 days a week. Not including my commute of 1 hour each direction in LA traffic. I knew that I was working myself into an early grave. One thing I always thought was weird about how Daniel managed his subordinates was that he required everyone to provide him with their PC login and password. Keep in mind, this was early 2000s, and our IT department was barely able to build a corporate network, so this was our best way to monitor what people did on their PCs. Or so I was told. It turns out, after hours, Daniel would log into people's PCs and would not just go through their company emails, he would also look through their browsing history. He would set everyone's browsers to automatically save any passwords entered. So he'd read their personal emails. His justification was that he was looking for any evidence of corporate espionage or violations of proprietary information. One of the most irritating things he did was that he required everyone to save their company Outlook PST files onto his network drive. This allowed him to monitor other people's company emails from his own computer. Eventually, our team got so big that we had to hire our own accounting team. Since they fell under Daniel's jurisdiction, he had access to their files as well, but our accounting team didn't know this. This allowed him to monitor a lot of financial communication between our parent company and also predict where budgetary changes were being made. Daniel would use this information to maximize how he strategized his next project initiatives. He clandestinely knew where money was going to be before anyone else, so he had time to come up with plans on how to get a bigger chunk of that cash. On the outside, his ability to do this seemed almost preternatural. But all he was really doing was just reading confidential emails without anyone knowing. All accounting information was kept confidential just within the finance team, so they didn't know that Daniel was readily accessing this information. Like I said, our IT team was barely conscious. Daniel decided that he wanted to take a two-week vacation and left me in charge of his monitoring duties. He showed me where the email files were. Internally, I was utterly aghast at how much he was looking at our personal communications. But I was young, naive, and making a salary that most 20-somethings could only dream of, so I thought this was normal corporate operations. During Daniel's vacation, one of our employees dropped a cigarette down a plastic drain pipe outside of the office. Turns out, he'd been doing that for weeks, and the backup of cigarette butts eventually caught fire and it set off the smoke alarm in the building. We were forced to evacuate and close up shop for the day. Because I could work remotely, I copied all the email files onto my laptop and headed home. That's when I discovered something that will haunt me for the rest of my life. In my haste to copy the email files, I inadvertently copied Daniel's files to my computer as well. Out of morbid curiosity, I figured, what the hell, why not? So I started looking through his emails. At first, I found emails to another director where he was disclosing how he was able to go where the money is. Turns out, another director in another branch was also doing the same thing, and they were joking about how they were able to make so much money and set up the manager they left behind to fail. They talked about how they would share this financial information with advertisers, other publishing firms, etc. to put themselves in strategically advantageous positions for prime accounts. In a nutshell, what they were doing was sharing private corporate information without approval from the legal team. I've seen junior associates get taken to court over this. 
I also saw emails from several female colleagues who were mysteriously removed from the company. Turns out, Daniel had nine sexual harassment claims against him from these female colleagues. But because he was so profitable to the company, the CEO turned a blind eye, settled them out of court, and then moved Daniel to a different team to avoid any negative perceptions. One of the emails between Daniel and this female colleague was very explicit, and it was very clear that his advances were unwanted. Lots of pictures of Daniel and his wife engaged in adult activities, hoping the female colleague would want to join them, etc. Daniel also had a folder called New Accounts. By this point, my image of Daniel was shattered. The guy I thought was a great mentor was actually just a sleazebag. So I looked into that folder and I found a massive collection of some of the most explicit, whoa, I can't say that word, adult content of people who are not adults. Let's put it that way. My mind will forever be haunted by the filth that I found there. Even just thinking about it now makes me want to cry for the lost innocence of those poor children. So I wanted to sink this guy. My thought process was this. If I straight up reported those images, it would be obvious where the reporting came from since I was the only one who had access to his computer. I didn't want to have a vindictive, angry marine breathing down my neck. So instead, I reported the accounting irregularities through our anonymous company hotline. This would trigger an immediate investigation, which includes a thorough audit of that person's computer. Even though Daniel had his laptop with him on vacation, his desktop computer was still very much online at the office. The accounting and legal departments took the investigation insanely seriously. Things moved so fast that the next day, I got a call from Daniel with a request. I need you to write up two notes. One note says, this is my two weeks notice. And the second note says, I tender my resignation effective immediately. If the CEO asks about me, hand him whichever note you think is best. He wanted to resign and collect his severance before the investigation concluded, knowing that the company would have to call the police when they found his stash. If he resigned before the investigation finished, chances are the company would just sweep it under the rug since the problem was now gone. I never handed either note to the CEO. And the cops were called. Daniel was arrested. His wife was also arrested. Oh no! His daughter, which turns out was one of the kids in the stash, was taken by another family member who completely cut themselves off from Daniel. An added bonus to this was that the accounting investigation led to a discovery. Turns out, the CEO filed bankruptcy for one of the magazines to secure an additional $15 million in funding. But instead of applying that money to the failing magazine, he pocketed $12 million of it and spent it on lavish homes and other countries. This led to the CEO also being arrested. I left the company shortly after, realizing that the entire place was a toxic hellhole of backstabbing, and that this kind of behavior was actually the norm at this company. Last I heard, Daniel was still in jail, the CEO was penniless, and the entire company was sold off to another parent company because it had gotten so toxic to be associated with it. Opie, this is a really great story, and I'm glad you took this douchebag down, but the second I uncovered the thing that you uncovered, I would have gone straight to the cops. Report it to the accounting team? There's no way in hell I would give this guy a chance to squeak by just because the company didn't want to have a scandal. Nah, man, I want the feds kicking down this douchebag's door. Our next Reddit post is from that Aussie Angolan guy. I worked on an offshore oil platform as a roustabout. 
Basically, that was a starting position where you did all the jobs that no one else wanted to do. We worked 12-hour shifts and had four men rooms, but the shower and toilet was also shared with the next door, making it an eight-man use cubicle. Every day when I got off work, I was exhausted, sweaty, and dirty as hell from cleaning out drains, mixing chemicals, or something along those lines. After a few months, I realized that my shampoo was being used by someone else. I would keep my shampoo in the storage section behind the bathroom mirror. These were allocated by bunk numbers, and there were eight of them, and they couldn't be locked. When I did the shift change, I confronted the off-going crew, and this one guy started laughing and bragging about how he hadn't needed to buy shampoo all year. I told him to stop using my stuff or there'd be consequences. He shrugged me off and walked off laughing. My workmates and I gave each other WTF looks. Shampoo isn't expensive. It really got my goat that he was stealing my shampoo. What a tight ass. As the day went by, I got more and more annoyed by his behavior. When I got off my shift, he made it blatantly obvious that he had used my shampoo again. So back in the room, my workmates and I hatched revenge of the highest order. I pissed in the remaining shampoo, gave it a good old shake, and put it back. We all had a good old giggle. Every day, the guy would start his handover by bragging about washing his hair, singing this old shampoo ad from the television. So, <laughs> so every day, I added a little more piss to the shampoo, hoping he would figure it out himself. Honestly, the smell was brutal after a week, and I realized I needed to drink more water. I should mention at this point that nearly everyone on the rig knew what was going on. After a week and a half, D-Day arrived when he was quiet during our shift handover. I told him... <laughs> I told him his hair looked silky and smooth, that my shampoo was doing wonders for his hair. He just stared at us all. There was no privacy in the room, so he knew the whole crew was in on it. From that moment forth, he... <laughs> He was affectionately known as Pisshead. The remaining shampoo was disposed of, and I kept all my toiletries locked away in my kit bag under the bed. So, OP, sounds like you got pissed off, and then he got pissed on. Also, down in the comments, we have this story from Deleted. I had a roommate who kept using my laundry detergent. I asked him to get his own, but he continued to use mine. So, one day, I went to the store and bought a box of Rit laundry dye. I dumped it into the box of laundry detergent and gave it a stir. Sure enough, my roommates did a load of white laundry with it, and all of his shirts and underwear came out blue. He moaned and complained about it, but he never used my detergent again. Also, we have this story from Spinabo. My colleague wouldn't stop using my cream that I bought for my coffee. I told them to stop, which mostly they did, except for one of my colleagues. As soon as this guy ran out of milk, they used my cream, or at least the one guy did. So, I went to the drugstore and bought mild laxatives. You know where this is going. The box says two pieces for one adult, so I grinded up eight and put them into very little leftover cream. So, whoever were to use it would get all eight pills. Now, obviously I didn't tell them what I did, but that colleague took a sick day the day after because of stomach cramps, lol. I can't do this permanently though, so I had a friendlier idea. Now, I put green food coloring in the cream. I had a hard time holding back laughter when one of my colleagues said, Dude, you should throw away the cream. It's green. Our next Reddit post is from Hypittance. I know a guy who's done this every year for more than a decade. 
It started when some dick broke into the cab of his truck and stole Christmas gifts that he had bought at the mall. If I remember correctly, he had to make two trips, and some jerk saw him go back into the store and busted his window. It was a long time ago, and I'm not positive of the details of the original event. He started this tradition 10 years ago, the day after his truck was broken into, right around December 23rd. He does this at the same mall every year. He gets a big box, big enough to just barely fit in the backseat of most cars. This takes a while to find. He fills it with the most vile garbage. Dirty diapers, cat poop, rotten food, used sanitary products, packing peanuts, etc. The past couple of years, and after advice from Reddit, he elevated his game by cutting all the corners of the boxes. So once it's open, it falls apart like a beautiful blooming flower and the garbage contents spill out. He waits until a day or two before Christmas. He wraps the big box in festive, yet very thin holiday paper with zero structural integrity that barely holds the box together. Then, he puts a big bow on it and a giant tag that says, To Joshua, Merry Christmas, Love Grandpa. Then, he loads it into the bed of his truck and drives to the mall. Every year, it's stolen within minutes. Man, OP, if only your friend were also a NASA rocket engineer so he could engineer some kind of spinning plate that distributes the garbage once it's opened, and, you know, some cameras so he could upload it and start a YouTube channel out of it. That was r slash pro revenge, and if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.